0: Dear Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for uh, these friends that have gathered tonight to uh, uh, to discuss and to learn and to dream about what it looks like to be um, a family on mission together. And so, Father, I ask that you would encourage us tonight, Lord. You would challenge us tonight. Um, you would make clear our next steps and uh, the direction you want us to go, Father. We love you, Jesus, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Hey, I do want to say thank y'all uh for being here. I'm aware it is a Friday night and those are uh pretty um special. I know in my household too. And so thanks for making time tonight to uh to gather and to learn. Um and just thank you for all that you do. I mean, the ministry, you know, of covenant happens uh through you through you guys. I mean it was I met with a new couple uh this week for dinner. Been to our church three or four times, and I was trying to connect them, and they're already in a group through you guys reaching out and loving on them, making them feel welcome and connected. And so, um, and that's normal in our church. So kudos to you guys, and thank you for all that um, all that you do. Uh, so, real quick, um, our agenda for tonight, this first session, I kind of just want to step back and remind us of why we do this. Uh, this can be hard, can be uh, discouraging sometimes, frustrating, um, of course. Um, and then we'll take a break, and then we're going to walk through just some practice of how we can do this uh, together. So, this uh, first session. Um, so, uh, Willis's, I saw Lindsey Holland uh, a few weeks ago um, at a Providence and uh some of you know Lindsey holland some of you don't as it doesn't really matter but uh long story short the willis's um served them that family in ways that um you know humble me to this day and served and served and served and uh and then there was a break and they were gone um i'm looking at ty right now and i and i think about his group and He has led some difficult people going through difficult things and loved, served, taught, opened his home, his life faithfully to people that, if he was honest, were not his favorite to be around. Um, And he served and he served and, uh, (laughs) this sounds very dark, they walked away. I'm looking at, uh, Dave and Heather and I think mm-hmm. about, um, the, the Bynums. and, um, and just the literal, like nine one one rescue to their life. They've done probably eight times in the past two years and now Bennett won't call Dave back half time. And, um, think about, uh, all these families, I can go through every one of your groups. And while I'm looking at all y'all in this room, and I know story after story of that situation. Um, and the question we have to ask, uh, well, this is so difficult. Because, listen, every person here is busy, right? If you're, if you're not a busy person, not a tired person, um, then good for you. I'm happy for you. I really am. But the majority of us in this room are just really busy and really tired people. And so the question is, we're tired, we're busy, people are exhausting, people leave, so why do we do this? And so before we kind of move forward with anything, I want to remind us why we do this. And there's kind of three things to remember. Anybody, anybody got pens, got pens? Um, hopefully you do, if you don't, there are pins somewhere in this office, I hope. It is an office, so. Um, are there, are there, yeah, there's pins up there, that's right. I saw them earlier. Three things to remember when you think about people. First, uh, people are lonely, they're hurting, and they are stagnant. People are lonely, people are hurting, people are stagnant. You know, one thing of being a pastor you realize, you kind of stop, in a sense, uh, judging people harshly. Because one of the privileges that I have is, I, and I, I know most people's stories, and in, in most folks' story, there's hurt, they're lonely, and they're not sure how to grow in their faith. You know, it's, this reminds me of Jesus looking at the crowds and, and just crying for them because they were sheep without a shepherd. They were wayward. They were lonely and they were lost. They were confused. Um, you know, um, even our new neighbor, uh, the Carillos. Um, they're new in this community (coughs) Um, they are lonely you talk to Rachel talk to Renzo talk to their kids they are lonely people I met with um, Cameron and Lily what's your last name Robertson's the other the other day they're a new family Um, and they're here from Ohio and listen they're lonely people you know Blanchard Shreveport North Bossier is all kind of the same way I think people that are from here kind of have their roots We have a lot of people that aren't from here that are here and are very, very lonely. And they're not seen. And I'll tell you, everybody's hurting. Now, we're a good community at, like, hiding the hurts. But i tell you, everybody's hurting. Almost every story of someone coming to our church, they are, or or that's in your neighborhood, they are coming out of some kind of hurt. Sometimes the church hurt them. Sometimes a spouse hurt them. Sometimes a parent hurt them. Sometimes their own choices hurt them. But they're coming through some kind of hurt. People are lonely, they're hurting, and they're stagnant. Second reason, the lost, and I say the lonely too, the lost, they're not coming to us. Does that make sense? Like, there was a time in, in uh, culture, in, in church culture, where people when they were lost and tired and lonely, they would just go to church on Sunday. Um, through time, through COVID, that is not the case anymore. Hear this, friends. If we don't pursue people, people will stay lost and lonely if we don't pursue people. It's, it's just that simple. And hear this. This is the heart of God. Like, Jesus put on flesh and got close to pursue us, Right? He didn't stay away and wait for us to find him. He literally put on flesh to come near to us. And then he died and rose again. And what he sinned? His spirit to what? Indwell us to get even closer. Our God is the God of pursuits, And people are not coming to us. This is, um, I'll just tell you this as clear as I can. This is the primary reason we have missional communities. Is to have You know, we call ourselves a rescue ship, right? The MCs are like the little rescue boats that go and find the people that are drowning. And what we tend to do sometimes, and this is me as well, we get these rescue boats and we like somehow just hang out with one another. People are lost, they're drowning, they're dying, they're by themselves, and we're having a party on a little life raft. And the world is out there and they're not coming to us. They're not. We've got to send rescue. Last thing to remember why we do this. And I want you to hear this one thing. You, as a leader, as a minister, as a pursuer of people, you grow through the heart. You grow through the heart. We don't grow in the easy times. We grow in the hard times. Um, We grow through failure, don't we? We grow through failure. And if there is something in me that I I never want to fail, but the best times in my life is when i have grown through failure. Um, I'm looking at uh, Chaz and Amber over there and they have led everything at our church at some point like whatever ministry it is it's had like their name tag to it at one point point. and I remember that Houghton group they were working on it and it just it, like people were coming and going coming and going and I remember Amber was so discouraged for a season I remember like just talking with you and you were just crying I remember that and um but you stayed in the game and to watch your maturity now and I think about um Paul and Jan and Sparks—they came to you guys. You Guys, they were a hot mess. I mean, they were a hot mess, and I love them. They are a hot mess. I think about um, uh, Melissa. I mean, people come through crisis, and they and Chaz and Amber through growing through the heart They were ready for the Sparks and for Melissa, and they came through their life and their ministry. And now they're gone doing other things, and they're better people and Jesus followers because of Chaz and Amber. But they had to persevere through the heart, through the failures, through the discouragements. Like, there's a growth in patience through this heart. Um, A lot of you in this room have ministered to Adam Brazier for the past 10 11 years. I mean, literally, maybe this whole room has on some level. Um, And it's been a patient journey to watching him grow, right? And the past month or two, hearing and seeing him lead worship in here, has been such an encouragement. And he has not arrived, and there's still there's still bumps in the road. But to but to to for me personally, just to walk in patience has been so healing for me and so growing for me. There was this family. Most of you all know them, Chris and Natalie Hall. Few of you remember them, Chris and Natalie Hall. He was an airline pilot. Really sweet family. This is early on in the church, first two or three years. Um, this was they were my first taste of failure. They're in my group. I was discipling them. We were doing life with them, and I got the phone call one day they were out, and I was just devastated, devastated, and um, and that hurt for a long time. And I was processing with uh, Ross about six months ago about just people leaving the church. Like it really affects me. And he just said this phrase. He said, "Well, are you the reason that they're there? So you're God?" Across, <laughs> and, and um, y'all, yeah, everybody knows that, and um, and it's a great reminder that. But I wouldn't grow through that unless there was actual failure. Like, here's the problem: we, we be pa- we're patient. There's hard, all, and people still leave. People are going to leave. Um, but here is the hope: is that we are faithful in doing father and as we do that god does something in us i was just talking with lindsay at the table just now she's been teaching at the hub now for a few months it's a great thing that she is doing sacrificing her time and all she talked about is what god's doing in her life through teaching those people friends when we step out in faith to serve others god does something in us but it only happens as we step out and we in a sense embrace the heart the 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 in our house we always say hard things can be good things And as we lead, hear this, friend, hard things can be good things. So that's kind of what I hope we understand of kind of these reasons maybe why we do this. But those things don't necessarily um, (coughs) inspire us. We think this is going to be hard. It's not necessarily inspiring. Um, What really, I guess, gets me going. So, you know, we went on the moon years ago. Well, some people believe that. I'm not getting to that right now. We're not doing that debate wow, right now. Uh, we're not doing this. Um, <laughs> 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 um, but there was this thing, I believe it was in 1960 or 61, uh, JFK said, we're going to the moon. And at that time, we had no way to get to the moon. That was not a thought. There was not a plan. There was a goal and a vision. And that, that goal and that vision that galvanized um, people to work towards that goal, because see what, what a big goal does, what a, a big vision does, it galvanizes us, um, inspires us, and most of all, it focuses us on, OK, what are we really trying to accomplish here? and that 's my hope for the rest of the time uh, for this session. It's kind of the four goals of uh, the missional community. The first is right here, is to share life together. It's to share life together. Uh, Aaron Clayton, uh, we helped plant him, I guess 10 years ago, he's in Waxahachie, Uh, And he just put a post out a day or two on Facebook, a real benign post about, um, I think Jeff, you commented on it, about um, making decisions in community. This idea of innocent sharing life together. And there was so much pushback to his post. He simply said, what do y'all think about this quote? It talks about like, you know making a choice or a decision having other counsel help you do that in community and people did not like that because there's this framework of like we do our own thing make our own choices um you don't tell me what to do hear this friends we live in a world that the last thing people want to do is to share life together you know my kids you know i, I got two boys around the same age so the entire time grandparents want to get two of everything right which is good and bad Good on my bad days is bad on my good days. Because, like, you know, they want them to, have to but I want them to learn how to share, right? And there's one toy, you learn how to share things. And part of our goal in this is to teach our people how to share life together. People don't want this, but this is the picture we see in Acts 2, isn't it? People literally sharing their possessions, sharing their time, sharing their burdens, sharing their hurt. We all need this, and the people in our church and our community need this. We need an extended family. Well, you know, years ago in our context, in our culture, the, the nuclear family took over, and there was this expectation that only the nuclear family should do all the work, and we have lost out on this shared burden of life that makes life lighter and easier and the way that we're wired. And so we're, we're in a sense that we have this goal of our people, sharing life together um, that's gonna press against our world, press against the selfishness of ourselves and our people. This is sharing Carline, this is celebrating birthdays, it's being there in the hospital, it's making meals, it's listening in crisis, it's enjoying a movie together, it's spanking our kids or time out in our kids, whatever you wanna do, that's fine. This is why we love uh, the show uh, Friends and The Office and Cheers. We're reminded of people sharing life together. For many of us, this was this was college, right? That like by, like 18 to 24, like you're like away from your parents and like your new family was like your friend group. There was like this beautiful sharing of life together. But the hard thing is, is getting all kinds of people with, Different uh, sense of humor, different uh, political backgrounds, different uh, taste preferences, <coughs> um, all these things, and people with different hurts coming in and sharing life together. Even this week, there was in, in my group, someone put a joke out in a group, and um, <laughs> you know what it is. A large group laughing, and I got like two text from people about like, what's he talking about, and uh, you know. And because we just have fun sharing life together. And so um, this is not going to be easy, um, but it's good for us to share. And I'll tell you this, too. When we actually share life together in almost this, I don't want to say scandalous, but like this different kind of way, this is the greatest apologetical to watching world. The world watches us, and they see something different. We share life together. Second goal, we pursue the lost. And once again, I want to add the word lonely here too. We pursue the lost and the lonely. That we are the community that cares about you know, Jesus, this is of course the heart of Jesus. He came for the sick, right? Um, and I will tell you the lost, many the lost and the lonely many times look different than us. Like many times the people God is sending us to go after are the ones on the fringe of society. It's the people at the hub. It's the people that don't have any friends. It's the ones that have lots of problems. It's the ones that are really messy. It's those kind of people that God is sending us to. The lost and the lonely. Listen, people are lost and lonely right now. You know, even as I was walking through this today, I have neighbors right around me that this goal this idea of them being kind of difficult people describes Hey, and um two times today two times today I had to stop and repent confess to God and repent of my indifference to the law today. just being real honest like I could not come up here and, and say this today and tell you this right now um and if I'm gonna be um as prophetic as Pastor Jason gets, um I believe many of us in this room we need to repent of our indifference to the lost. If we're honest, if we're honest, we just don't care. Because our life, our family, we're too busy. I just convicted this week for this meeting that um, we, we have to in a sense wake up to the hurting going on around us and we cannot be indifferent to that hurt because the word for us is pursuit it's pursuit mm-hmm. we must pursue the lost listen the goal is that our little churches right Because this is the theme of the night, right? We want to go from being a small group, not a bad thing, to being like little house churches, little lighthouses in our community that are doing something a bit different, something a bit more ancient, something a bit more like uh, the early church. But for that to be possible, we need to like open the doors and invite and pursue the lost and the lonely and the forgotten around us not just the ones who look just like us, who have two kids and are easy and are simple, but the ones like nobody talks to, right? Because I keep coming back, that's who Jesus went after. We must pursue the lost. Our communities, your group, your house, must be a safe place for those people to see, hear, and experience the gospel. Let's pursue the lost. We must serve the least as we share, lost, share life, pursue the lost we must serve the least we, we can't call ourselves uh, God's people if we're not doing the things that are nearest to God's heart and this goes very hand in hand with the lost as well this requires us to serve people that aren't like us and people that we don't like M- many times the people that we're going to pursue and we're going to serve um, are not our cup of tea um but I, I, I guess this is what I would ask you: Do you feel like your sin and your life smelt good to Jesus as He pursued you? There's nothing appealing about us, but yet He pursued and He served us in such a way that He paid His life. I, I think I remember back we had an old Treeport group that for six months to a year, every week they had like these ten kids that they mentored and they um, tutored, and they loved, and they pursued. And there was just this great picture that, listen, if that group didn't do that, that community would miss that group. What what scares me, for myself and for our church, is that we can play a really good church game, but if we cease to exist as a church, or as missional communities, our, our world would notice. Because we're not serving Those least, we're not serving the forgotten. Our world should notice if we're here or not, friends. They should notice if we're here. And just honestly, the least and the lost, no one drifts outward. No churches just drift outward. Um, And I'll be just kind of, you know, a a bit blunt, but not in a nice way. If, If we do nothing else, let's do this. Listen, we're going to preach the word on Sundays. We're going to preach the word. On, that's going to happen. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to sing songs about God. We're going to take communion. We're going to do, do those things, and we should do those things. Um, but, friends, let's pursue the lost in the least. I, I worry this for our church is the area that we're limping the most. Because, listen, if we focus on serving the least and pursuing the lost and sharing life, What's going to happen is we're going to take steps to Jesus. It's our fourth goal. Like we're not we're not trying to gather together and serve people to simply like have a, a, a people that like each other and do good things. We want people to meet Jesus. We want people to take steps towards Jesus. Like it's easy, I think, sometimes for people to like really like community. And not fall in love with Jesus. So part of our role as leaders is we're like we tend to almost with this like lack of boldness, like hide Jesus. Like we like, you know, yeah, come hang out for a Super Bowl party, and that's right, and that's good, and that's part of our life and culture. But like we're just scared, like I'm scared to like just put Jesus in front of people. But friends, my greatest hope in life is Jesus, mm-hmm. right? That's my greatest hope in life, so I should tell folks about this great hope. Put Jesus in front of them. That's a goal for everybody here in our church, in our our neighborhoods, to to move towards Jesus, that we would be this Jesus light that either they gravitate towards or, truthfully, they're repelled by. Listen, friends, as we are truly light in darkness, people aren't going to like it sometimes. That's a good thing. It means that we're walking in the way of Jesus. So share life, pursue the lost, serve the least, take steps to Jesus. That's the four things that I pray we see happen in the life of our missional communities. But those can be, as I walk <laughs> through things in my own life, they're a bit overwhelming and they can be discouraging. Because I'm like, well, you know, we're not, my group's not really sharing life together. We've got like five meals together in the past four months. We're not really sharing life together. And so um, I want to break this down almost to a scoreboard. Like, how do you know you're winning? So, for example, like, um, so, like, my kids are playing basketball right now. And the first few weeks, they're not even scored. And um, there's a reason for that. They're trying to teach them things. That they're, all ter- they're all terrible. I mean they're terrible, terrible. <laughs> and, and, uh, like, are they? They're terrible, aren't they? <laughs>
1: okay. Okay. On
0: <laughs> when, you're knee, when your foot's better, you and Beckham, me and Hayes, two-on-two. Two. If I win, I get your house. And, <laughs> and, um, and your wheelie cart. And um, Beckham is better than them, though. He is. He really is. He's a good little shooter. And so I, I mean, I did coach him, so it's kind of on me a little bit, I feel <laughs> like. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting emotional right now. Um, but let's see. Sorry, <laughs> give me, your here, lady. Um, I like a scoreboard. Like, it's kind of broad, isn't it? So, so, how do we know that we're actually winning and, and not feel defeated? So, we think about sharing life together. Here's kind of two ways you know that you're winning T- two kind of steps you can know. Okay, if I see this, I think about like the snaps. So like in a classroom, you know, like we're doing good, so we snap, and we're doing good. So, if you see this in your MC, you can know you're winning as far as sharing life together people doing life outside of the formal gathering. Like, you're not making this happen, like they're texting by themselves, they're meeting for coffee, they're bringing a meal. Um, this can start sometimes just like through the group me, they start talking to each other. Uh, so, last week in my group, you know, my group is, you know, like I said, fairly new. Um, and the Gunters and the Fort Berries and a few others are in that group with us and Last week we're leaving, and the Fort Berrys are caring for this kid right now, and the Gunters start encouraging them. And like, we left to go get kids, and the Gunters and the Fort were talking after we left. That was a small win to me. Like, they started, like, doing some kind of life conversation apart from, like, the formal gathering. When folks start doing this, and if you've been in groups for long enough and you've had experience this, you know that sweet spot, right? Having the game nights, you're going to the games, you're meeting for the movie all those kind of things second way you know you're winning people taking ownership of your family gatherings if they say stuff like okay i'll take care of the meal this week or i'll make sure we have kids watched i got two texts last week about folks offering their house up i was like oh okay a little bit of ownership there i know that we're starting in some way to share life together that's a big goal there's lots of ways we can do this but for right now these two ways is life outside the gathering, and then ownership. On pursuing the lost, first way you know you're winning. Um, If at least you, the leaders, know the names of the lost people that they're praying for in your group. If you know, like, okay, I know in my group that John is pursuing that guy he works with and praying for him. Sheila's doing this, and they're doing that. If we are somewhat aware of the lost around us, that's the first step towards winning. Second, it's very obvious. Lost people are showing up. Pricing this most uh, in uh, the Ballard East group the past few months where lost people, lonely people, uh, maybe immature people, um, taking real steps of um, stepping into the community. And so they can know, okay, something's happening or something's working, we're pursuing the loss in a tangible way. Third, serving the least. The first one's easy. I should admit to you, it's easy. I want to give us a win. People give money. (laughs) Hey, hey, it's a win, it's a win. So I think we all here work with the Hub on some level, right? And some of you who kind of organize the hub stuff, I'm looking at Matt right now, it's easy to get frustrated with the hub thing sometimes. No matter what your mission might be, like I mentioned that Shreveport group earlier about tutoring, I will tell you, um, that was not some blissful time for that group and those leaders. i talked to them many times about how hard it was, the schedules, people doing this, people doing that. So as you start serving the least, it gets messy, it gets hard. So way to know you're winning. People are at least giving money to help this cause. Second, people are committed and serving. Like it's it's such a good feeling when someone like shows up and they see like, oh, okay, I can do this. And they, say, I'm gonna help. And they start showing up regularly and start serving. One of the greatest ways that we, we grow in family is by serving together, right? That bunker mentality. If we're going to pull this off and sometimes you know, even the hub can be a bit dicey sometimes if we're in danger together, it draws us together as family, doesn't it? I mean it's a real thing. Um, so we serve the least. And last, how do we win as far as taking steps towards Jesus? When people start asking spiritual questions. It's gonna be hard as lost folks come in, um, and you're not sure like if they have any if they care at all. If they start asking those those questions about God, want wanting to read their Bible or how do you pray or what does this scripture mean? That means God's at work doing something. Uh, uh, other when, and of course, much bigger, when they get connected to the relationship. To me, the goal for every person that comes through our community, if I had a prayer, is that one day that person would find a person, right? So if you think about this, like if our MC is where they find a family, we hope through that big family they find one person He'll invest in them, mentor them, encourage them, hold them accountable. And so, two wins. Taking, asking spiritual questions. Second, they're connected to somebody. Listen, this is is the goal of the Great Commission. This was Jesus saying years ago, we're going to the moon. (laughs) Go and make disciples. But here's why, here's the deal. This is hard because this is not what small groups do. Small groups gather, have a discussion, a meal, and they go home. And those are good things. We need those things. Um, and I'll be real honest with you. Many times, that's all that I want to do in our church. Because I'm an organized, processed person, and you can't process what we're trying to do. Because every freaking group in our church is different. Excuse my language. Um, there they're, they're big, they're small, they're messy, they're here, they meet here, they do this. There is nothing uniform about what we do except for those four things. We share life, pursue the lost, for the least, take steps to Jesus. Those are the four things. And that's hard. That's what a house church does. But I pray for a church of house churches. A church church plants imagine worshiping on sunday with a church like that people that live their life for the sake of others that come together and they're tired because they discipled that annoying person all week opened their home that stranger the other night they counseled the wayward marriage they're tired mm-hmm. and they limp in on a sunday and we grab hands together with tears and we worship our hope together. And we're renewed together and then we're sent back out in our little life rafts to find those lost, hurting, lonely, forgotten people. For that's what God has put on our heart to do. Because listen, we <coughs> we have lots of good big churches. And I'm not going to make anybody about the big churches, whether they're good or bad. I'm not, I don't care about that. We have big churches who do good things. I was driving by Cypress earlier. They're getting ready for their night to shine tonight. That's a good thing for our community. They are serving people who are forgotten, and we should celebrate those things. That's not our calling, friends. We're not going to do the big thing, and that's okay. We have churches doing that. What What I believe our community needs and what God has called us to is the ground war, so to speak. It's in the neighborhoods. It's in the workplaces. It's people finding people. It's almost guerrilla warfare, right? It's not this big thing. It's this small, almost unseen thing. But when I think about the small and the unseen and the slow, I'll just tell you, that is Jesus' ministry. <coughs> it wasn't big, explosive. It was small. It was slow. It was faithful. It was impactful. And I believe that's what our community needs. And I believe God is, for whatever reason, and I'll just tell you, you're here tonight, I believe, by God's design. have been praying for this meeting for weeks and months. We've had to move it because of COVID, and people had this going on. You're here for a reason, I believe, because I believe God is sending us out to those people. All right, table of discussions. Go ahead. I'm going to give us, um, yeah, a few minutes here. Oh, we're doing good on time. We've got five minutes. Which of the four goals gets you most excited and why? Which of the four goals gets you most excited and why?